Hey there and welcome. You are listening to the Parkview Global Podcast. We are so excited for you to join the conversations between our Global Missions hosts and our amazing guests. Don't forget to follow our social media accounts at Parkview Global. Now, enjoy the podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the Parkview Global Podcast. My name is Bill Carroll and I am the Global Pastor at Parkview Christian Church right outside of Chicago. And as always, I am joined by Christy Mullen, Parkview's Africa Coordinator. Hi everyone. We want to invite you to follow along with us as we welcome a different one of our global partners on the podcast each month. Today, we are joined by Parkview's global partner that is famously known as Lauren in the Middle East. I always like that name because it sounds like Lawrence of Arabia. But the reason we don't share her entire name or exact location of ministry uh, is for security purposes for Lauren. Uh, Lauren is currently working on a team in the Middle East that brings the love of Jesus to the people in the surrounding communities. And that includes large refugee populations. Lauren has a great story that she's going to share with us. So welcome to the podcast, Lauren. Thanks. <laughs> first things first, we always start with the important stuff. So <laughs> last year, my son Will and I uh, visited you in the Middle East, and we mm-hmm. had been traveling for two weeks at that point. So mm-hmm. my son had basically, he was like basically done by that point, and he wanted American food by the time he got to where you were at. And uh, you were so kind to take him to the ever-popular Middle Eastern restaurant called Popeye's Fried Chicken. <laughs> it is ever popular. <laughs> which, which actually, fried chicken is popular. It's huge, it, man. It's halal, right? I mean, it works with, within the Muslim faith and all that kind of stuff. That's and, right. And so um, so now that you're back in, visiting in the United States for a short amount of time, uh, what food or restaurant were you craving when you got here? And, and uh, were you able to satisfy that, that hunger? Well, the irony of what I'm about to say, it is a version of fried chicken, but I first went to Chick-fil-A. Nice. You mean God's chicken. I do mean God's chicken. <laughs> nice. And And now that you have Raisin Cane's in Chicago, oh. have you been there? Because yes. that comes from Louisiana, as does Popeye. So yeah. clearly we do chicken well down there. That's what I have to I say about, about that. that. That's, that's I awesome. mean, you can't go wrong with a good steak or some pepperoni, all so those pork products. What I is it about Chick-fil-A? I mean, is it the pure chicken quality or is the waffle fries like what what is it for you that's i don't even know it's just it's just blessed by jesus it's just blessed (laughs) (laughs) lauren so one thing we love is that you're a parkview girl uh you were just a person sitting in the sitting in one of the seats of our campuses on sunday morning and will you tell your story about how god spoke to you and you decided to move around the world to the middle east yeah, I, I was just a girl sitting in a pew at Part View, and I had a job that had me working all kinds of different shifts, so I was always at a different service, which meant mm. I was having a little trouble connecting, and mm. uh, I joined a small group that promptly fell apart. I don't know what that <laughs> says about me, but we'll let that go. Um, but yeah, it, it was missions was something that I had already loved, and I thought, I'm going to go check out that table back there in the lobby, and I signed up, and went to Taiwan and had a blast. So you're saying you actually went on a Parkview mission trip to Taiwan. I did. Tell us about that. It was awesome. Nice. <laughs> yeah, Brian Hunt was there. He was the Lockport pastor at the time. Nice. I don't think Lockport exists anymore and Brian's in California. That's but throwback Thursday. We, yeah. we still <laughs> love him. Um, and yeah, I, I actually didn't even know him. We had never crossed paths and all those things leading up, but I, I pranked him at the airport and we were been fast friends ever since so (laughs) that was good and you were going to visit the mesmers in taiwan which if you go back and check our other podcast episodes you can hear from alan and his wife cherry who are awesome they are awesome they are super awesome and they're girls they have more than when i was there but (laughs) they're they're awesome too 
So yeah, I did that and felt like that helped me connect to people at Parkview. And I also went with Parkview to Brazil, to the Amazon River. Nice. And I think that really helped shape my vision for what God was calling me to in the future. So So no pressure, but it sounds like if you go on a Parkview mission trip, you end up moving around the world or something, right? It'll change your life. (laughs) (laughs) So Lauren, the Middle East is still a total mystery to most of us (laughs) Americans. Um, What would you tell us that life looks like for you on a daily basis? Yeah, I think um, it doesn't need to be that much of a mystery. I'm just a girl living life, so it isn't all that different. Um, a lot of my ministry involves visiting people in their home, and so it's a lot about drinking tea and coffee <laughs> and more tea and more coffee and probably still more tea and more coffee. <laughs> Tell us what the tea and coffee is like. Mm, yeah. Mm. I'm not a coffee drinker. I know that's probably haram to most of you, so I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it's Turkish coffee, so it's pretty intense. You can ask for it black, which they probably prefer, or middle, which is super sweet, or you can ask for it sweet, which is syrupy. Um, <laughs> the tea is always syrupy, sweet. That's just how they like it. They drink more sugar than tea, and don't you dare tell them otherwise. <laughs> it's not bad for their diabetes. Don't worry about it. So um, drink a lot of those things. Eat whatever they serve you. Hospitality is super important to an Arab, and so... Um, just to be able to sit and eat and drink, it honors them. It's odd for us because we think we're taking from people, mm. but to them it is very honoring that you would that you would show up and that you would eat and that you would drink and talk and hang and out. And When I was there a year ago, we went, we went to a, a family's home that was um, unbelievably inviting mm-hmm. and uh, got to hang out, and they served the coffee. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm also not, not a coffee drinker, and so basically, it's like mega espresso is, is, is what they serve you. you. You choked it down. Oh, man. Like, it took everything in me to get it down. I'm sure I was yeah, yep. shaking. Palpably. I would love it. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> I, I do prefer to do my visits with a friend who's a big coffee drinker, yeah. and I can be super sneaky about sliding <laughs> that cup that over. <laughs> and I have perfected that. In case you're wondering what I have done over the last eight years, it is learn how to get somebody else my cup of coffee. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, tell us about about the place that women in, um, play in the Middle Eastern society. What challenges do they face? And really, how are you able to minister to them? Hmm. This is such a hard question. Hmm. Hard question because the, the answer is easy in a lot of ways. But I think answering that, I always fear that people will walk away with such a negative impression of women in the Middle East, and I don't want that. But w- women are not on the same level as men. That's that's the reality. Men are a higher class citizen than women are. Um, women are often at the mercy. So if you're an unmarried woman, you are, sit under your father, maybe your brother's at home, and you need permission from them to do things, including study, including have a job, including leave the house at times. Um, As you are married, you now sit under the authority of your husband and you need his permission for all of those same things. So I think 
the challenges they face are immense, but I also think that they don't even know it because that's all they've known. And they sit in that pocket a little better than I do. It's a lot harder for me who has experienced a culture that says, no, go and conquer and you're smart and you're, you can be athletic or you can be whatever you want to be. And they just, they've never had that. And so they don't know that. So they don't necessarily know what they're missing. But I fear, I always fear when I talk about women that we Americans, Westerners are going to start to look down on them and that, that, that scares me. So I find that answer hard. I think one of the things that you say, how are you able to minister to them? Well, it takes a woman, right? A woman can't really be ministered to by a man in that part of the world. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's actually super easy. I'm safe. I'm outside of their culture. I'm just a crazy woman who sits down and happened to learn their language. And they, they're so intrigued by me. And I don't fit in their box because I have a lot of education. I talk a lot about sports. That was a big part of my life was sports. And, and that's, they don't know what to do with me. And so they're always intrigued. But there's things about me that they all desire. I think there's a lot of women there that look at me like, man, I wish I could have your life. Mm. Um, but yet I am single. And so I am the equivalent of garbage in that culture. And wow. so wow, yeah. there is a weird balance. And they, they don't know how to wrestle with all of that. So they... I think it it serves me well because it's like come and we'll figure try and figure you out. <laughs> no one's been successful yet, but they're trying. So probably a lot of people listening, well, so some Americans listening, would probably listen to that and, and say, "Oh, you know, we got to fix that." You know, we, we, mm. we, Americans have to fix everything, you know, as mm. if as if it needs to be fixed. Even um, talk about some of the preconceptions and like the reason why your best choice would not be to go in and try and create rebellion within that social structure. Yeah. I mean, keep the main thing the main thing, right? The main thing is Jesus Christ. And he is the answer, actually. We we were talking the other night. He's the one thing you got to get right in life, right? You've got to get the answer of who is Jesus correct. It's the only thing you have to get right. You don't have to get right men versus women versus anything else. And so I could get bogged down in the cultural mess and the way women are treated. And it, it does rise up in me injustice. And I get angry. And I, but the main thing is the main thing is the only reason I'm there. So yeah. that's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, so tell, tell, I think after being there, like t- tell some of the success stories too, because one thing is really cool is you're a coach of a team and you get to work with, with girls and a lot of them, I mean, their chance to be on this team is, is really like maybe their one chance to really come out of their shell and, and be something and excel mm-hmm. on something. Tell, tell us some cool stories of what, that you've interacted with there. Yeah. Girl soccer is super awesome. Nice. And like, okay, so we started girls soccer and then we realized we had to take away the soccer balls Hmm. and we actually had to go back and teach girls to run because they didn't know how to run. They didn't, they didn't have control even of their feet and their, it's something that blows our minds because we've all run at recess. They've never run. Where do you run? If you're a girl, you don't leave the house. You don't run at school. Where do you run? How would you learn how to run? Yeah. Like it, it's never occurred to us that it's something you learned, but it is something you learn. And so 
Yes, we we go to some crazy links, right? So we found a soccer field that has a fence around it. And actually now we have one that's indoor. So it's even better because it's kind of closed off from the world. So no one is watching. And, but we play in long sleeves and long pants. And so it's we're willing to, we're not trying to wreck the cultural norms that exist in this neighborhood. We're saying, let's be conservative, but let's just help women have an escape. And Look, you probably have read, if you haven't, go read all the data that talks about sports in girls, cool. even out of America, right? Girls who play sports have more self-confidence. Girls who play sports do better in school. Girls who play sports don't get pregnant. Girls who play sports don't end up on drugs. Well, it's simply because you're good at something and you've run around and like you, you can then go home and study and focus and there's, there's just meaning to your life. And that would hold true in the Middle East. And these parents are seeing that. Like, their daughters are happier. They're helping at home. They're more polite. We do teach values and we enforce them. But it, it's just, it changes who you are when you have something that's yours, as, especially as a girl who previously maybe got to go to school and come home and then never left the house. And her job was to serve, to clean, to maybe cook, bring stuff for her brothers all these other things. Like, here's her hour. Here's, it's for you. We could stop right there. That, that's <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um, but amazingly, among other things, you've also helped launch a Bible study that, I mean, this makes me so happy. It includes <laughs> women from four, at least four neighboring countries. Um, and the challenges of working with such a diverse group from, like I said, women from four Middle Eastern countries coming together, uh, many of whom I'm sure have never held the Bible before. I mean, like, hmm. what are the challenges there, and what, what what's the joy of it there, too? Oh, it is fun. It is. It, you're right. It's super hard, especially for me as a non-native speaker of Arabic, just hearing the different dialects and it is a challenge to say the least. Um, I mean, you could just think about Americans. If you got somebody from New York and somebody from California and somebody from Louisiana in the same room, we don't have the same vocabulary. Yeah. The same is true, maybe even exaggerated over there for the different dialects. So uh, I struggle at times to follow along and keep up, but some of it is just such bizarre ideas getting brought into the room because like you said, they've never held a Bible before mm. and they've heard these stories, but I don't know what they will have heard because a lot of them are illiterate. And so it's just an oral culture. It's been passed down. Well, where'd they hear it from? And how did that person tell the story? And so it's hard to even prepare myself for what ideas they might come with. But it's also super fun. So I'll give you a great example. On the first week we got together, we were simply talking about what is the Bible and can it be trusted? So we're laying out that groundwork. So then we're going to march our way through the Bible, starting with Adam and work our way up to Jesus and what he did on the cross. Okay. Well, the Bible is confusing in case it's ever <laughs> occurred to you. It's a book, but it's two books, but it's each six, two books six, is books. Yeah, right. And, and these women are staring at me like this girl's lost her mind. She's crazy. And I thought, okay, I know what I'll do. So I reach into my backpack and I pull out a Bible. Well, one of the ladies, like, gasp. <gasps> what is happening? Well, in their religion, you cannot touch your book until you have washed your hands. Wow. And ah, I just casually reached over and grabbed this Bible. And she, 
held in her question for so long and I'm trying to show these books and this book and, and it's actually three books in the majority religion that exists over there. The first five books of the Old Testament are one and the rest of the Old Testament is one and the New Testament is one and each one has many books and it's all one book and one story and she finally gets up the courage, which is really awesome actually, to say, excuse me, how in the world did you grab that Bible without washing your hands? Mm. Well, guess what? We now get to talk about the holiness of who God is and whether or not my hands are clean, it can't add to or take away from who he is and it doesn't impact his word. His word is true whether my hand is covered in chocolate or dirt or anything else. And it's like light bulbs are going off. And when you get to take, you don't get to do this. I'm sorry you don't get to do this, but you don't get to tell Bible stories to people who have no box for it here in America. They all have a box and they're prepared. But when you get to tell them to people who have no clue, it's really fun. Tell a little bit about like what you do to make this more accessible for women. Because a lot of these women are coming in situations where they probably rarely leave home. Mm-hmm. And, um, when they do, even at home, Life's probably not really fun, and mm-hmm. and is very hard in a lot of ways. And they they you know, unpack a little bit for what you do that that they probably never get anywhere else. So we we pick them up at home, and we take them to our office, and then we of course take them home at the end. Which you'll you'll get a kick out of this belt if you remember the size of my car. <laughs> Small. It's it's the smallest thing that can be called a car. <laughs> I think I have had as many as twelve people That's in that amazing. car. And I love that you find it amazing. It's super stressful for me as an ER doc who's just looking over there at that airbag and the person who's like hugging the airbag and knowing that if I do something wrong, I'm going to kill that kid. But God is good and his grace is sufficient and we have always made it. Um, We pick them up and then we have a space where the ladies get to come upstairs and the kids get to stay just one floor below us, same building, but we're all right there together. And I brought in... Um, another person who does sort of Sunday school Bible stories with the kids. They eat a snack, so we feed the kids. We actually discovered in week one they ate way more than we expected, (laughs) probably because they're hungry, right? right. So um, I started bringing a little bit more substantial food for the women as well so that we're eating. We don't want to try and do this on empty stomachs. And then as women, we play some games, just trying to let these ladies let their guard down. I one of those things that we're not going to fix in culture, but a lot of women get married at the age of 13, 14, 15. Wow. So they themselves were kids. Their childhood is gone. Yeah. They never played like I played. You know, I always think back. I have this large teddy bear. His name is Chubby. <laughs> I got Chubby for my 15th birthday. Like I was very much a kid at 15, and many of these were holding a baby. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, it, yeah. We can't get, the main thing is the main thing and we gotta stay with it, but we get to offer, I get to offer a chance to just be silly. So let's play games and let's get to know one another because they don't have a lot of friends. They don't know a lot of other people. Their life is focused on their kids and their kids are now not in the room. No one is pulling on them. No one is dragging away their attention. So we play a little, we talk life a little and then we dive in. And whether we're hashing out what the Bible is or we're reading through the story of Adam and Eve and looking at like, oh, look, there's sacrifice in this story. Oh, look, there's the shedding of blood in this story. Oh, look, like these are foreshadowing events for something that's coming later. Like, let's remember it had to be God's plan, not Adam's plan. 
oh, all these little seeds that we're laying so that we can get to the story of Christ. It's almost amazing how many would view it as simple it was to create an environment that would allow them to engage in a way that she, they probably never can otherwise. Yeah. Just even it. to have that time with somebody taking care of their children so yeah. they can have a few moments yeah. to themselves. As a mom, I know so many times I'm like, I just need five minutes. So <laughs> that's amazing that you get to do that. Yeah. That is so cool. It's super fun. And don't worry, I do make tea and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were worried. You <laughs> so many great stories. But um, tell us, what are you excited about right now in ministry? I think it would be that. I think it would be, you know, it's not an easy place to do ministry. And so there have been years go by and you're like, I'm sharing the gospel, but no one's responding. Or I'm I'm not even able to get to the full gospel story. Like I'm laying seeds and that's it. And people are shutting me down. And so to see sort of fruit come um and I know people who are there for a long time and they labor and they're faithful and they don't get to see it. So I definitely know that I am super blessed to get to be there at this time and in this place. But it's it's really cool. It's awesome. We're so super amazed by you and the work that you're doing. It's yes. just crazy. Um, so we love to hear stories and I know you've shared a couple. And one of the things we always like to ask is what words of wisdom you would have for somebody who is um, trying to discern the voice of God Hmm. and trying to find their way um, when they're being called. And when you told us your story earlier, it just gave me goosebumps. So I'm going to actually ask you to just share Mm -hmm. that if you don't mind. I know it takes you out of where you're at right now in ministry, but it's pretty amazing on how you got there. So I was a first year medical student and I really just kind of wanted to go, I think, because I wanted to travel. So I signed up to go on this trip to Russia. And we were just across the Ural Mountains in Asia, Asian side of Russia. And I think, like, this is really sad that I, all I can say is I think, but I think the purpose of the trip was to help a, a church that was there kind of do some maintenance. It wasn't a great trip. It's not how Parkview leads trips for sure in that our leader was off shopping and me and this high school kid were trying to crank a lawnmower at one point or wow. whatever. But two things happened for me in Russia. One, I had just finished playing college soccer, and it was it was huge to me, right? Like trying to win a national championship, like this is my life. This is what I focused on. And all of a sudden, there's a soccer field right across the street from where our dorm is, you know, all you need is a ball. And I could embarrass all these boys out here, I'm sure of it. (laughs) And so we went into town and we bought a soccer ball. And if you've been outside of the U.S., you know, or even if you've been inside the U.S. in some multicultural neighborhoods, you know, you have a ball, they will come. You don't need to build a building, you need a soccer ball. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, they came. And sure enough, I beat them all. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not. Um, yeah, but we played, and we played for hours, and we couldn't even communicate, right? Like, here we are speaking English. It's me and two high school boys, and the three Russian guys. We're playing three-on-three on a full-size soccer field. We're running our tails off. We're, like, dying out here. But they wouldn't end the game. 
And we're thinking maybe we played to 10. No, maybe we played to 20. Like maybe we played to 30. Like when will this end? We don't know. And eventually we're kind of done. Like people are lying on the field. They're done. And so we're thinking, let's get our ball and go home. We have to walk across the street. And they're holding the ball captive. Like they did not want us to leave. It turns out they were waiting on their friend who spoke English to come and translate. Mm -hmm. And he got there a little bit afterwards. And so finally we can communicate. And they just want to know, who in the world are you? And where did you come from? And why are you here? And what is going on? And, you know, we could see the church. Like, we're pointing at it. We're here to work on that church right here. And we'll be here on Sunday, and you should come. And sure enough, on Sunday, they came. There were, like, five of them, five young Russian guys came to church because they wanted to see these Americans again. And another reason that I was on this trip was we, the church, had a member, a Russian doctor was a member of this church, and he had taken the janitor's closet, cleaned it out, and turned it into his little clinic where he could check blood pressure and maybe blood sugars, and then he would get some medicines donated from around Russia, some from the U.S., and he would give them out. His target population were the elderly who really suffered after the fall of communism. You don't really think about anyone suffering. The fall of communism was such a good thing, but there was a generation that had grown up in it and they weren't necessarily educated. They had lived their life under the rations of the government. They were told, go here and get your groceries at this time every week. Go here, this is your job, you do this. And that was it. Most of them were illiterate. Most of them had no job skills. And so when, it, when communism fell, they had nothing. And they ended up impoverished and, and struggling. And so he would check their blood pressures and give them medicines. And I'm sitting in the church that Sunday, and there's a group of people from soccer, and there's a group of people from the medical clinic. It's two grossly different populations, right? <laughs> a group of young guys over here and a group of old ladies over here. But it was a light bulb moment for me, the two things that really defined my life. God had used them to get people into the building. And I just, yeah, it was a light bulb moment for me. Like, I want... I want to be used to get people into the building. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. And and so here you are. Here I am. And you're getting people not into the building proper anymore. Into the kingdom of God. In, into the kingdom of God that doesn't need a building. Amen. That's so awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that story with us. So we always ask towards the end of the podcast, I mean, how can our listeners be praying for you and your ministry and the Middle East? Yeah, I think praying for the Middle East is easy. It just needs to be done, mm. right? Um, the Holy Spirit is who works. The Holy Spirit is who draws people. The Holy Spirit is who converts people. This isn't my job. This isn't any other missionary's job. Like, it, it's God who is at work. And so can we be known for being on our knees to intercede in a place that that desperately needs Jesus. Jesus will fix all the other things, mm -hmm. right? Jesus will fix all of the cultural mess. Jesus will bring justice to women. Jesus is the answer. And so I, I would just love for the listeners to just say, I commit to pray for God to be at work in the Middle East. Nice. How about you? How about me? 
I, I would definitely say perseverance. Pray that I persevere. It's challenging. We've talked about some of those challenges. Um, and so, yeah. Good. Well, we would love to commit to pay, pray for the Middle East and for you. And cool. we are so, so thankful. Um, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. A Parkview is so honored to be partnered with, partnered with you and can't wait to see what God will continue to do with you and your team in the Middle East. Thank you for your partnership. You bet. We want to let our listeners know that they can check the show notes. We've included some really general information and links on ministry in the Middle East, again, to protect uh, Lauren and her team. And also in the notes will be links for more information on each of Parkview's global partners and the ways you can get connected. Thank you so much for joining us, Lauren. Thanks. God bless.